Bunkhouse Ramblings, Episode 9, Take 1. Welcome to Rackhouse Ramblings. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. This is episode number nine. On today's show, I got a couple of new things to talk about. Uh, first, I'm going to do kind of a weekend review. Ann and I took a trip to Costco, and I'll tell you about a couple of new little craft projects I've been working on. Then I'll have a segment. Uh, I'm going to talk about a new show that I found. It's on PBS. It's called Great Lakes Now. Uh, I like the stuff they're talking about. It's pretty cool, and I think you will too. And then uh, this past week, I learned about something called a fatberg. Yep, fatberg. You're not sure what it is? Well, keep listening, and I'll have a segment to explain it. Then I'm going to talk about a company that we've been working with at the fire station called Crime Scene Cleaner. Um, they've been coming to our station every week, sometimes every day, and they disinfect our quarters. Think of it kind of like a pest control for viruses, and it's real interesting stuff. So I, I thought I wanted to share it with you. Then I got another funny story to, to tell. Uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty funny, so I, I want to tell you that. I'll have a segment on that. And then uh, the bourbon spotlight is going to be a little bit different. Once again, I've got a twist to my normal bourbon spotlight. So stay tuned. This is Rackhouse Ramblings, episode number nine. This corona crap seems to be winding down, and I'll tell you, it's it's really a relief. We're uh, we're still wearing all of our uh, PPE, that personal protective stuff, the gloves, the masks, the safety glasses, uh, the whole Tyvek suit and everything. I shouldn't say we, but the medics go into the front door. So uh, this, we have to still keep like that six-foot distance between us and when people call for help. And um, sometimes that can get a little bit awkward because when you tell somebody to they, they naturally want to approach you and have a conversation. You have to remind them and think about, you know, Diana Ross would put up their hand and say, stop, da, da, da. That's what you have to do. And people sometimes get offended by that. And I think it's going to take some getting used to till till they realize that, no, this isn't personal, but we need you to keep a distance when talking to us. So uh, that, that gets kind of awkward, you know, telling people to stand back. They get a little bit offended. But anyway, um, before I get forget, I want to tell a quick story. So a few days ago... Um, I was talking with Russ, my partner, on the phone. We were on our day off, and we talked about getting tested, you know, just for the benefit of our families, not for ourselves. We know, you know, for ourselves, we're not as much worried. It's the people that we love and the people we come home to. We don't want to pass this on to them. So we decided um, to get tested, both of us. So uh, not that I had any symptoms. I just wanted to reassure, like I was saying, reassure and and uh, that we've been doing the right things. You know, we wear all of our protective gear. We've been cleaning everything, disinfecting everything, following the rules, all that sort of stuff. So I went um, to the State of Michigan website, followed all their directions, and, and uh, they have a special section for first responders and all that. And eventually I sent an email to uh, the Michigan Department of Health. And in my email, I said, you know, I'm a first responder, got no symptoms, want to get tested, kind of put uh, my wife's mind at ease, put my mind at ease, my coworkers, so they all know, right? And so the next day, it took about 24 hours to get an answer. They emailed back, and uh, the email says, uh, on April 21st, the governor, governor Whitmer okayed for first responders to get tested without symptoms. So this person from the, I'm not going to name her name or anything like that, but if anyone wanted to see the email, I'll show it to you. But um, you could get tested without symptoms. And it had a link on it. So I click on the link, and what the link does, it takes you to a map. You're close, you put in your zip code, and it shows you the closest test center and a phone number to call. So the first number you call is an 800 number. And so through that number first, 
they refer you to your local place and so you call your local place to make an appointment and um, it th- from there it kind of goes all online they, they refer you to another web page say hey go here um, so I made an appointment it was uh, the same afternoon that I got my email back you know at two in the afternoon something like that and my testing center turned out to be the Providence Novi um, urgent care and it's right across the street from Providence Novi Hospital so uh, when you get there, they say text, you know, there's a number, they already send you a text to remind you of your, your appointment time. It says, when you get to the parking lot, text that I am here. So I did that and you get instructions to stay in your car and then they give you a link and it has you go online again and you do a pre-register. So you give name, address, phone number, you take pictures of your ID, pictures of your insurance card, give your medical history. And you know, that probably took easily 15 minutes. So Put that in, another 20 minutes go by, I receive a phone call from the, the nurse inside. And the nurse, you know, and I are talking, I explain why I wanted to get tested. She goes, huh, let me put you on hold. And it just goes on and on. When when she came back, she denied me, said, uh, you can't get tested. And I said, and I'm, I'm pretty dumbfounded. I said, you know, I explained, I have an email. It's from the state of Michigan Department of Health. They directed me here to your site. And let me get this straight that you're denying me. Yep, she says, um, you can't have tests, you have no symptoms. And I said, you know, how about bend in the, I'm a first responder. Can you bend the rules for me at all? I threw out that first responder card and said, uh, uh, no, uh, uh, they weren't going to do it. So it was kind of like a kick in the nuts, right? You see everything on TV. Oh, you can get tested. Everyone gets tested. Go and get tested. Well, here we are first responder wanting to get tested and said no. But on the other hand, Russ went to uh, Rite Aid up in Macomb County made an appointment and had no issues getting tested. So it's really uh, inconsistent, you know, and I don't understand the logic. I don't understand the reasoning, whatever. But anyway, so that being done, I wanted to share that with you. So while we're home, um, I've been busy around the house with some little projects and things I've been working on. And I made this thing called an ultralight camp stove that you make out of a pop can. So you cut a pop can, take the, uh, the top and the bottom, kind of squish them together and uh, come up with this little thing. It looks like a burner from a gas grill, right? But it's made so that you pour liquid in the middle of it. And that liquid is uh, white gas, I believe they call it. And it's made, uh, like if you go to, the liquid is the same thing as uh, uh, a product called heat that you get at the automotive store. And it's something that you put in your fuel tank that gets rid of the water from your tank. And that's a special kind of gas, white gas. So you take a little bit of the heat, just maybe an ounce or two, put it in the in the pop can stove and light it. And sure as shit, it turns into like a little uh, gas burner to uh, take with you camping. Thing is super light, super easy to use. Probably took me a good 20, 30 minutes and I made a couple of these. I'll put a picture of it up on my Instagram, but it's pretty cool. So another thing I did is I have a flat screen TV in my workshop. Pretty cool, huh? No, not that cool. It's an old, old flat screen. I think it's an 18 or 20 inch or something like that. And it's just been sitting on the shelf and I was bored. So kind of mounted it up on the wall to, uh, uh, not to hook up to cable or anything, but I watch a lot of YouTube or I can do a screen mirroring from your phone up onto it and things like that. And I found an old DVD player. We had a wireless one. So that gets me to the internet and there you have it. But I'll, I'll throw a picture of that up on uh, the website. You guys can check it out. And then, um, this past week, Ann and I went shopping at Costco. And this was a huge step for Ann because she hasn't been out of the house since March 23rd. This was over four weeks, about four and a half weeks, for real. She has not left the confinements of like, she'll go out for a walk around the block in her subdivision, but that's it. She's not been in the car to go anywhere, nowhere. So any shopping we did, I did it. When I'm on duty or when I'm on the way home, I 
might run into Kroger or something. So anyway, uh, we go to Costco and we were pleasantly surprised. We got, arrived right at 10 a.m. when they open. And um, the idea was that if we show up as soon as they open, being a first responder, they let you get to the front of the line so we can kind of avoid the crowds a little bit. But we didn't even have to do that. There was no waiting. There was no crowd. There was no line, no nothing. There was uh, an, like an orderly path to follow. They had like arrows on the ground that you follow. And it zigzagged you through the lobby, you know, where all the shopping carts are, and through the door and the greeters clicking how many number the people go in. And you can see on the, on the wall there's a poster that limits the number of customers allowed in the store at any given time. I didn't stop and see, you know, I didn't want to hold up anything to see what the number was, but I thought that was pretty interesting. So we walked in, and I will tell you, it was really different, but different in a good way. There's no crowds, no lines, nothing like that. And then right up front, you come in, and there were pallets of toilet paper, literally pallets, and not just little packages, but Costco size, you know, like the 30-pack or whatever, even bigger. And I thought, holy... It would have been nice, but we didn't need any. <laughs> so we skipped the toilet paper. And, you know, so I told Ann, you know, when I go shopping with the guys at work, the meat aisle has been uh, understocked. We can usually only buy, you know, what they have on the shelves. There's a lot of empty spaces. But here at Costco, holy, you know, I said, let's make it go right to the meat line. So we walk right to the back of the store. And once again, I was pleasantly surprised. Everything was stocked. I couldn't believe it. But, but you know, oh, you know what? Scratch that. The um, the ground beef was empty, but it didn't take five minutes. We saw the guy bring it, rolling out the carts. We stood there, and he was stocking all the ground beef, all the hamburger. So problem solved. We got what we needed. Uh, and next, we went to the beer aisle, then produce and water, and then I saw oh wet wet wipes. Let me get some of those. And I thought that would be pretty cool. You know, the like the flushable wet wipe kind of things. So I told Ann, you know, I want to get some of those. So I threw them in the cart and right away. She reminded me not to ever flush them down the toilet. And you know what? Guilty as charged. I've done it before. I flushed wipes and especially like up north is not a big deal because when they suction out our uh, septic tank, you know, I'm paying for the suction. It goes right up the vacuum thing, whatever. And the guy doesn't mind, but any, you know, they say not to do it, but my tank doesn't even get halfway full when we suck it out. So anyway, kind of blew it off and kept shopping. We finished our trip and brought everything we needed. Um, everything was good in our house. It was cool. We went home and then we break everything down to the smaller portions. So pretty much everything is in two person servings. And uh, so now we're stocked for the next few weeks. So that's kind of my weekend review. Anything, nothing else really uh, to talk about. So we'll be right back with the next segment. Stay right there. I'm back. So here I am the same day as we were shopping and uh, it's later that day and I'm channel surfing and uh, come across this show that I haven't seen before. It's uh, called Great Lakes Now and I kind of got sucked into it. It's a monthly show on PBS and I go to their website www.greatlakesnow.org and they describe their show as in-depth coverage of news issues, events, and developments affecting the lakes and the communities that depend on them while capturing the character and culture of the region. So if I was to compare it to something, I don't know if anyone else watches PBR, but I watch a show called uh, Under the Radar, and it kind of reminds me of that show. And each episode, they feature, they feature different part, different cities around Michigan, Under the Radar does. This show features 
different things going on around the Great Lakes, not just in Michigan. So they have episodes that talk about Wisconsin, Ohio, Ontario, uh, the UP, all these different areas around the Great Lakes. So I was doing some research, and it's a relatively new show. It, uh, it aired April of 2019. And I've been like binge watching a couple of the previous shows and I really like them. So um, they have one episode, it's called number seven, actually called 1007. And it was titled Waters Infected. And um, it's the show is like my podcast, has segments. So uh, there's a segment I got, I watched uh, about the giant algae bloom that happens every year in Lake Erie. And you hear about it, you read about it, think nothing of it, kind of blow over it. But they went pretty in depth on it. And I found it really interesting. And one of the things that was pointed out was that uh, fertilizer uh, that is being used by the nearby farms runs into these ditches. And in Ohio, the ditches all gather together and they end up, uh, this is looking around the Toledo area, but everything kind of flows into the Maumee River and eventually into Lake Erie. And I never knew it, but the Toledo area, that was once like a huge swamp, huge, huge swamp. And what they did was they dug ditches to let the swamp drain and make really good farmland. Well, the ditches are still there today. And that's how the fertilizer gets down into the Maumee River, eventually into Lake Erie. And the fertilizer is what is helping the algae. No shit. Who it, like how your fertilizer helps your lawn get green, right? It helps his algae grow. So they interview this professor, and uh, he explains that the swamps and the wetlands that used to be there were like a natural filter. And so now without them, the water runs go right into the ditches, and it's a direct path almost, so to speak, to the lakes. And I thought, holy shit, I learned something new. I'd heard about it. And like in my neighborhood, you know, they paint the little signs by the storm drain that says, hey, this goes right to the river, right to the stream. But I never thought it, thought about it in the way of a, a farmer and how he has a ditch. It's the same idea. So anyway, I went to their website and started watching another episode I got sucked into. And uh, this one was kind of cool because they had these female scuba divers and they would dive uh, all five of the Great Lakes in 24 hours, and the cameras followed them. It was kind of cool. So they started at midnight in Lake Superior, uh, dove into the lake, dove like a, a shipwreck, then got in their cars, headed south, went south across the bridge, uh, went into Lake Michigan, dove another shipwreck, and the same, they went uh, from there over to Lake Huron, then they keep heading south and uh, go all the way to Lake Erie, and finally around night, just before you know midnight and all that, they get to Lake Ontario, and I'll tell you, I was pretty blown away. It was really neat what they did. Um, think about it, 24 hours, all five Great Lakes. And it, it, the other thing, they started in the dark and ended in the dark. And I thought in my head, that's kind of creepy. It is pitch black down there, except for the little spotlight that you have. It reminded me of what we do when you go into a fire. You can't see shit, but you know there's fire there. So anyway, um, they did another uh, episode that I like, or another little segment, and it talked about commercial fishermen in Saginaw Bay. No shit, like right up in our Saginaw Bay. So it turns out there's five commercial fishery, fishing companies in Saginaw Bay. And the one uh, gal from, I can't remember the name of their uh, commercial operation, but uh, she said there used to be hundreds and hundreds of uh, commercial operations. So she, they explained how they fish, and they fish with these giant nets. And the net is like a funnel. 
Uh, it's a funnel shape, has like a big mouth on it. And the mouth sits on the bottom of the lake. And at the top of the mouth, it has these floaters like giant bobbers that hold it open. And the fish swim in and eventually it funnels down into the part where they catch them. And this uh, commercial fishing company was only licensed for whitefish. So when they, they show them bringing up the net and they sift through it, and if it's not a whitefish, they throw it back. And they had like lake trout and catfish and things like that, but they throw them all back. And it looked a lot like if you were going to Alaska, one of those Alaska reality shows, right? And the captain said they have these nets anchored around the bay and they have to get checked every week. I don't remember the quantity, but look really cool. So if you're a fan of the Great Lakes, um, check this show out. It's called Great Lakes Now. It's on PBS. You go to their website. They even have a YouTube channel and you can rewatch the uh, episodes. But check it out. I'll be right back. Namaste. Yeah. Ready? Here we go. It's hard to All right, record. Are, you, are we on? House Ramblings is back. This segment started from watching an episode of Great Lakes Now. Um, it was about uh, the Macomb County Fatberg. And when I heard it for the first time, I had to rewind and listen to it again. I said, what's that word? It's Fatberg, F-A-T, Berg, like iceberg, but fat. And what I found out was in September of 2018, a new story broke, and it was about a problem in Macomb County sewer system. And there was a blockage, and they were calling it a Fatberg. So I Googled it, and to check it out, <laughs> you can Google it too. Check it out. It's kind of interesting. There is a blockage made of fat, oil, and grease. And this whole blockage was bound together with moist, uh, with the wet wipes. All, it was almost all wet wipes, fat, oil, and grease. No shit. Like the wet wipes I just bought at Costco, right? So that's how this kind of all ties together. And I thought, man, those things are so, they make you feel all fresh and clean. But once they get down into the sewer system, it's the opposite. And, uh, oh, I guess it's not the opposite, right? That's why we use them, right? To clean things up and put them in a wad, right? And I guess that's what they do even when you're done with them. So anyway, back to this fatberg. And it was a blockage in a sewer pipe. And it was huge. I couldn't believe it. I had to really <laughs> check this out. It was 19 tons huge. No shit. So the Macomb County Public Works uh, webpage described it. They had pictures and everything. They said it was approximately 100 feet long. 11 feet wide, and in some places it was six feet thick. And if you think about it, they have a little illustration. That's like the length of two school buses, no shit. So if you go to their website, it's called www.publicworks.macombgov.org, and they have a shit ton of information. Get it? Shit ton. <laughs> so according to the website, they tried to use like a high-pressure water jets to break it up, but they eventually had to just... Uh, do it by hand with saws and shovels and the big vacuum and all that. Imagine that. Think of it. 19 tons of oil, grease, fat, shit, and all that. And these guys had, God bless those guys. Holy crap. Get it? <laughs> so anyway, when I'm watching this Great Lakes now, the interviewer uh, spoke to Candace Miller, the Macomb County. She's the Public Works Commissioner. And she explained, she really goes into detail on this. And um, she gave a tour of their, like, their sewage pump station. It was really uh, eye-opening to me. And Thank God we don't have smell-o-vision because it looked really, really... You could see shit in the background, like feces shit. So they have this conveyor, and the station uh, is like a giant screen, like a filter. And they have a conveyor that has scraper with, like, fingers 
that clean this filter and it's at the bottom and scrapes upward and upward and upward and it's like scraper after scraper after scraper on this conveyor and it scrapes stuff off the bars and guess what it is it's almost all flushable wipes i could not believe it so this conveyor goes up dumps it around and ends up filling up a freaking dumpster of flushable wipes no shit so don't flush them right that's the whole moral i guess anyway so um she was explaining, like, even if the package said, you know, these are flushable, of course, flushable means they will go down your toilet. doesn't mean biodegradable. So this Candace Mowers walk around, and she walks over to a little workbench, and they have their non-scientific um, layman's uh, experiment going on. And it was a row of these clear jars filled with water, and each one had a flushable wipe, and each one was labeled with a date. And they're trying to see how long flushable wipes take to biodegrade. And even after a year... It's like they're brand new. They don't. E it's like they don't even break down. Like what the fuck, right? So while I was surfing, um, I'm on this public works website. Uh, I downloaded a couple of P PB blah, PDF files, and you can do it too. And one was all about the stats of just this fat bird that they found. And so while I'm reading it, they mentioned uh, there was a huge fat bird under the city of London, England, several years ago. It was gigantic, and it makes ours look even. Even uh, theirs was like 400 feet long, no kidding. And another one under Baltimore that caused a big backup and blah, blah, blah. But um, you can download these things for yourself. And what they tell you is uh, the, the second PDF tells you how to prevent them. And uh, it was pretty interesting because I see this happen pretty regular at the station. No dumping grease or oil down the drain. You're going to cause the fat bird. The other one uh, that I'll try and do too in the future, I hope you do too, is like wipe out your greasy pans and the utensils, you know, the, sc the spoons and the spatulas and all that. Wipe the grease off them first and throw that away and try not to get that down the drain. So I'm going to try and practice some of these things. I hope you guys do too. No flushing your wipes, no putting oil down the drains and wipe the utensils before you wash them so we don't have to worry about fatbergs in our sewer system. I'll be right back. Rackhouse Ramblings. Totally... Come in with the sitar at the at the first part. Was that the right? I time? think that just sounds great. Okay. As soon if as you're you asking say, me. Say in the yoga part, and then we yeah. get into namaste right there. At the and then namaste. we'll do one set, namaste. just namaste. one of okay. you with your solo. Okay. And the namaste ends. Yeah. <clears throat> the downward dog. For the past few weeks, our fire station has been getting disinfected uh, by this outside company called Crime Scene Cleaner, and. Um, the first two weeks, when they first started, they were there every single day. And now we're down to once a week, just to come through once a week. And this isn't just like when you say like disinfecting, you think of someone coming through. Uh, I think of a maid service, right? And it's not like a maid service coming through and wiping things down. These guys come through with, a, it's a handheld sprayer. And it sprays this mist. And he said this is atomized hospital-grade disinfectant. Disinfectant. Um, no, it's like next level shit, right, for cleaners. So the, the technician, he walks through, I call them technicians, but he walks through every room and sprays a mist over every surface, like countertops and appliances and tables, chairs, remote controls, door handles, like these high, he, I think he called it high contact or frequent contact area, um, wherever people touch, wherever they work, wherever things will settle. And he even went inside our fire engine, um, our ambulance, inside and out, door handles and all that. And the cool thing is, like, you know, when a room is clean, you walk in, you can smell it. When I was growing up, if you could smell it, my mom used pine saw. And if I could walk in and smell pine saw, I knew that the room had just been clean. So this is real similar. Um, when he's done, it smells like a really sterile, almost like a chlorine smell. 
And that's uh, like a super clean smell to me. So I was speaking with the owner. His name is Brian Zajac, and he works in our fire department. And this, he, he's like an expert. I never realized. I've talked to Brian many, many times, but he's super knowledgeable on all this stuff. So he was explaining this disinfectant. Um, it's safe for kitchens, safe for food prep areas. You spray it on and you let it dry. You don't wipe it off. And I said, you know, isn't that just like a, a squirt gun, like a super soaker with a mister? He said, no, no, no. It's uh, he called it an electrostatic applicator. I'm like, what the hell is this? I said, Brian, what does that mean? He said, he explained it to me and then it made sense. Everything is negative, has a negative charge around, right? And the sprayer is positive charge. So the two attract each other and they're drawn to surfaces like a magnet. And I'm like, holy, that's who would have guessed. Remind me of uh, when somebody does um, the baked on finish or powder coating, remind me of powder coating, but with disinfectant. And I said, you know, Brian, this all sounds really high tech. And I, but does, does this shit really work? Cause we, I have to call him out. That's just how I am. And he said, no, it really works. He goes, not only does it like stop this uh, coronavirus, but he goes here, it gave me like, it's like an MSDS or whatever. And it, it tells a list of all the things it kills. He calls them microorganisms. And I recognized a bunch of them being in EMS and EMT and working in private EMS and stuff, but things like HEP A and HEP B and C diff and TB and uh, RSV, respiratory virus. And then the other one caught my eye was canine parvo, like for your dogs, right? And then H1N1 uh, flu. And all, he had like a whole list of shit I couldn't even pronounce. And um, I know it sounds like a commercial, and it isn't. I, I'm considering it like a public announcement. So I'm talking about it because I know that if there's someone out there listening and you need this kind of stuff around your house, call Brian. And um, I'm not getting paid to say this or anything, but uh, I see uh, on the calls that we go on at work that someone in the household has been infected, right? And we take them to the hospital. But uh, so the person that's sick gets taken care of, right? But the people that are home they still have to deal with it. And that's where why I'm bringing this up because if you call Brian, he would come to your house and spray inside your house. He'd spray, you know, you know if they had been working and uh, riding in your car, right? You want the inside of your car disinfected. You want uh, the inside of your house disinfected, the bedroom, the, be- uh, the mattress, whatever, the furniture, all those sorts of things. And that's what made me think about it. And that's why I am uh, mentioning it to you guys. Crime Scene Cleaner, uh, my buddy Brian Zajac, he works with us at the fire station or firehouse and. Uh, he's a really good guy but um and then you know I'm talking to Brian and he has been crazy busy not just doing our fire stations but he's been doing other people's homes and offices too no kidding um so Brian's number you know before I forget his number is 586-662-9464 and um if you think anything is contaminated give him a call and he'll 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 talk ask him any questions really he's honest he's a really cool guy but the name of the company is called crime scene cleaner 586-662-9464 this is my uh public service announcement for you guys and uh if you talk to brian tell him you heard it here uh on rack house ramblings be right back okay. Can we, uh, check my one no you stay where you're at and he's going as i can You stay how you were doing. You're tuned good? Yeah. All okay. right, it's time for another Jeff story, right? <laughs> I got a lot of good feedback. Everyone liked my Jeff story. There's going to be no music in this one, no Fred Bear, nothing like that. This one's not even hunting related, as a matter of fact. It's something uh, that happened on duty the other day. Or I maybe I should preface this. I'll, I'll tell it as like a, uh, <laughs> is it real or is it made up, right? 
I haven't done one of those in a while. This is kind of somewhere though. So we're on duty. We get dispatched to a, a possible overdose. And usually we on, on overdose, you know, we go, so we go there, lights and sirens, police are always involved in overdoses also. And when we uh, pull up to the scene, it's an apartment complex. Uh, there's a police vehicle already on the scene and officers already inside. And now we have this Corona response, right? So the first uh, paramedic is gowned up, masked up, gloved, all the PPE. And uh, it goes inside. And I think I can't, I think it was Russ was first in. Then the second paramedic, same thing, uh, gowned up, full PPE as Matt goes in. And uh, so the caller uh, lives in the lower unit of an apartment building and it's like a multi-unit you know you come in there's stairs that go up for the upstairs unit stairs uh, and then there's main floor units and so this is a main floor unit and so we stay we call it staging we stage outside on the front steps and while we're staging the second police officer arrives and he's got a mask on and gloves and he goes in and uh, so staging outside is myself and uh, the officer and other fire, fire paramedics. There's three of us, and we're just chit-chatting. And we have a radio, and the guys inside have a radio. If they need anything, they'll radio to us for equipment or anything. And so we're waiting and waiting, and a few minutes go by, a few more minutes go by, and I don't know, maybe it's probably 10 minutes, which seems in 911 time, that's forever, right? So we are like creeping closer to the door, and I can glance in the window and kind of see what's going on from the outside, but... You can hear through the door some talking and things like that. So we're creep, creeping a little bit closer. And we're at the vestibule of the apartment building. And it's like the main entrance that everyone shares. We're standing right in that doorway, right? And uh, it's it's a common area. And that's where I'm sure a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of corona is passed back and forth. But anyway, so we're still standing there kind of waiting, getting bored. And out of nowhere, you know, my our other paramedic there, he's not normally with our crew, but he was there in overtime that day. And right out of the way, right out of the gate, or out of nowhere, he goes, "I hear fighting! I hear fighting!" And he just bolts, charges right to the front door of the apartment, grabs the handle, and it's locked. Right, so he lifts his leg. No shit! Boom! 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 Starts kicking in the door. Right, and eventually the door breaks inward, and there's our two medics, <laughs> our two police, and this drunk senior citizen in his underwear, and. Uh, the family that called 911, they're all kind of standing right at the door, and there's this long pause. You could have heard a pin drop. And the guy that kicks in the door, he, goes, he, he had to break the silence. He goes, I thought I heard fighting. And one of the medics answers back, nope, we're all okay. And once again, another long silence, like that oh shit kind of silence. So they they kind of help the old guy out through the busted door and walk him to the stretcher. And he it, it turns out wasn't an overdose that came in as an overdose, but they thought he took pills or something. But anyway, he was just drunk, peeing on himself in his underwear, and they wanted him to go to the hospital and get some help. I don't know if he is stir crazy or what, but we didn't say much. And there was like a strange feeling in the air, like a what just happened vibe kind of floating around. And in my head, I want to say, you know, sorry about the door, but I knew better. I, I The words never made it out of my mouth, right? <laughs> and it was something out of a TV episode. Sorry about your door. And we just kind of left the scene like, oh, you know, shit happens. But anyway, that was my funny story. I thought you guys would like it. I'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, Rackhouse Rambling episode number nine is back, and this is Bourbon Spotlight. So um, rather than do the Bourbon Spotlight straight up, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the page, right? Like Bob Seger said, we're gonna turn the page and try something new. Um, 
I got to, you know, for those of you that don't know, there was a Bob Seger song called Turn the Page, right? So anyway, I got a chuckle out of this one. I wanted to share it with you guys. Uh, I signed up for Old Forster Bourbon. They have a weekly uh, little newsletter thing, and they sent, this came in my uh, Old Forester Bourbon uh, newsletter. And it's a drink recipe that I wanted to share, and I'll make it for you guys. Um, it's called, are you ready for it? Here it goes. It's called here kitty kitty <laughs> and i thought that was pretty cool right just like the joe exotic song here kitty kitty right i thought it was funny and so we're gonna try it and uh i think you'll like it well we're gonna follow along so if you go to the oldforester.com website and you look under the recipes icon um they have the recipe it's called here kitty kitty and the ingredients are two ounces of old forester bourbon uh three quarter ounce of lemon juice three quarter ounce of simple syrup uh, five to seven raspberries. Um, you're going to top it off with some sparkling apple cider. And of course, I didn't have hardly any of this stuff. So Ann and I had to go to uh, Kroger. I dragged her out once again and I picked up simple syrup. If you don't know, it is in the, uh, if you go down the alcohol aisle on the end, they'll have all their mixing things. And it's really, I think of it as sugar water. And then I got a bottle of sparkling cider. It's kind of like, um, uh, sparkling cider is more or less like uh, in a wine bottle. I think of it like apple champagne, right? So it says, I'm going to I'm gonna verbally say the instructions, and then I'm going to switch the mic, and we're going to make it right here. It says, uh, we have to give credit. Old Forrester partner with Sade House, said House. And if you go to Cocktails by Hawk, you'll see the recipe. So we have to give credit where credit is due. Um, it's an apple raspberry kind of drink. And you start by muddling five to seven raspberries in a mixing tin. Then combine lemon juice, simple syrup, Old Forester, and ice. Give it a good shake. And then you strain it into a Collins glass over ice. Then you top it with sparkling apple cider and garnish with raspberries. If you go to their webpage, you have a picture of it. It looks pretty cool. So I, before we start, I had to learn, they say start by muddling five to seven. And raspberries. I have no freaking idea what muddling means. And all that means after I found out is you put five to seven raspberries in a cup and you take a stick and you mash them, like crush them up. That's a fan. They call it muddling. So before I did this, I had to make a muddling stick. So I went out to the wood pile and I grabbed a, a branch and I cleaned off, <laughs> cleaned off all the bark and cut the end nice and flat. So I'll put a picture of it on my Instagram of my homemade muddling stick. You'll check that one out. So it says uh, you mix those things together, give it a shake, and then you kind of strain it. And I didn't have one of them fancy drink strainers. So I have a spoon strainer for serving vegetables. I kind of use that. And then they said um, serve it in a cow glass. All a clown's glass is, it's a narrow, skinny drinking glass. But anyway, I served it as, uh, when I made this once before with Ann and I, in just some uh, bourbon tumblers. I took this recipe and split it in two, which you probably shouldn't do because it only has like one shot of bourbon. But it was pretty good. And that's how I'll make it for you guys right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, uh, hit the pause button. I'm going to switch the mic so it picks up more background noise and I'm going to kind of walk around and make this. So uh, stay right there. I'm going to hit the pause. Okay, I'm back. And so I have the microphone to pick up all the sounds. So you'll probably get some background noise. So the way I made this at home, I have a pint glass for making, uh, for drinking beer. And in the pint glass, I am going to drop some raspberries. It says five to seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Sure, we'll do that. And then it says to muddle them. So I'm going to take my homemade muddling stick, which is really just a stick from my wood pile. And you can probably hear, I'm kind of mashing them up. It looks like jelly or jello or, yeah, jelly or jam or something is down in there. 
and then it says simple syrup three quarter ounce and really like if you have a shot glass it's probably a little more than half the shot glass and i'm going to use my famous uh chris and debbie shot glass kind of pour about three quarters of it in there like not quite a shot so that goes in and then the same thing with the uh, lemon juice and i just use like generic 100 percent lemon juice we'll pour that in same thing about three quarters of a shot we're still in the pint glass for the uh, for drinking beer. This is just a pint glass. Then I'm going to do my Old Forester. The recipe calls for 86 proof, but I have a great uh, 90 proof single barrel that I really like. So I'm going to use Old Forester single barrel. And I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the shot glass, fill it right to the rim, and as it overflows, dump that in. So I'm going to call it like a generous shot goes in there so now we have all those things and then what it says to do is put uh, ice in the glass so I brought some ice cubes in here and then it says to put it into a shaking tin now if you're like me you don't have a shaking tin um, what I have is like I was saying the beer pint glass and I took a red solo cup and put it over the top and what you do is when it goes on the top it's snug you tap the top of it and that creates like an air seal on it. So I have a good air seal and I start shaking. And believe it or not, nothing leaks out. I'm keeping pressure on the solo cup. And if you're really brave, you flip it over a few times. And what you'll notice is the drink starts to turn into like a raspberry, uh, it looks almost like a raspberry smoothie, kind of cool. So now I'm gonna take off the solo cup, give it a tap on the side. It's really cool stuff. And if you were at a restaurant, they have these fancy sifter things that go over the top of this tin uh, pint glass. But I have a, veg a strainer spoon that's used for serving vegetables. And I'm going to pour the drink through that spoon. And really, all it's doing is picking up the uh, bits of um, raspberry. You know, when we smush the raspberry, all that pulp. And all it's doing is sifting out the raspberry pulp. And for like me, I really don't care, but you can let some of that raspberry pulp flow through. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm pouring right through nice and slow, taking my time. And I'm gonna put that strained pulp right back in the original and keep pouring and keep pouring. And it's strange how small the ice cubes got in just that 30 seconds that I was talking. And that tells me it's chilling drink, right? So it's pouring and pouring. It's all I have left in my glass is pulp. And I'm pouring it into a tumbler and it's probably a little more than half full. And then the recipe says to take your sparkling apple cider and I'm going to pour it right over. It says to top with the apple cider. And what I did, I don't know if you heard, is I put my thumb on it and shook it a little bit and made it a little more sparkly. So now it's really like a uh, fizzy apple raspberry bourbon drink. And then you, I don't have those little fancy swords, so I would take a toothpick and stick some raspberries and put it on top as a uh, garnish. But here it is, this is the Here Kitty Kitty. Hmm. Oh, it's really good. You guys should try it, you should check it out. So 
That's it for this week's episode, episode number nine. Hope you guys liked it. And again, if you uh, if there's something you want to hear, something I left out, or something you want to say, just shoot me a, a message at uh, rackhouserambling at gmail.com or shoot me a text. Until next week, thanks for listening. I like that. Sent me home Cause it cleared my throat Said don't come back Without a doctor's note Got in my truck Drove down the road Started thinking About two weeks alone Surfing the web For something to do Thought I'd give this yoga a try or two And I'ma stay home And I'ma stay here And I'ma stay kicked back on this couch Crack a beer And I'ma stay home And I'ma stay here And I'ma stay kicked back on this couch Crack a beer and bacon so I will start my day downward dog and I'ma stay and I'ma stay home and I'ma stay here and I'ma stay kicked back on this couch and crack a beer and I'ma stay home and I'ma stay here Take it back on this couch.